Hello and welcome to this episode of The Lorgwaves. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Bob. I'm Taya. I'm Grace. And we are back this week with, oh my gosh, Bob, you're back. You reconstituted yourself from all the beebles and the shaving cream. Yeah, so it turns out when you're expected to be somewhere, you gotta keep it up. Or else you lose a lot of beebles. And, yeah, uh, I understand. Yeah. If you've seen Vraska Mad, you you would kind of have a little idea of how Genoa Mad would be. <sighs> mm, that's that's true. But congratulations. Yeah, mm-hmm. congratulations to our, our host, Bob, on his recent nuptials. Thank you. Yay, we're so happy for you. Welcome to having someone legally bound to you and you <laughs> being legally bound to another person. <laughs> Fun times. Fun times in the world of court. Well, you know what also remains as wonderful as your recent nuptials in this world? Cardkingdom.com! Oh my gosh, yes! Easily the best place to buy signals on the internet. Also, you get your sealed product and any gaming product you need at Cardkingdom.com. If you like what we do here and want to, you know, help show Card Kingdom to keep being our awesome sponsor, you can use our affiliate link. Carkingdom.com slash Lordwaves for all of your purchases. Yep. And um, they continue to be an excellent place, brick and mortar store, where you can not only buy magic stuff, you can also buy like all sorts of board games. And online, they actually have some really cool dice as well. And I think they're also doing some really cool stuff with like some of the new Dragon Shield sleeves. So just if you're looking for RPG stuff, if you're looking for board game stuff, they are your people. Uh, but speaking of our people, we've also got some other folks to like shout our out. Our patrons. We love our patrons. We appreciate you supporting this continual nonsense so much. And, you know, thank you for being part of our silly little family here. And if you want to contribute, you can join at patreon.com slash Well, we are going to be continuing our epic return of Magic Story Weekly, yay, with episode three of Zendikar Rising, called The Dangerous Climb, The Long Fall by A.T. Greenblatt. In other words, what must go up must come down. Uh, Uh, That's not true on Zendikar, though. That's true. Sometimes, like, you know, in other places, it's like, what goes around comes around on Zendikar. What goes around just keeps going around and around. Yeah, you know, or just floats in the air until you need to empty it out, you know, empty out your island bucket for that blue mana. Uh, gosh, Rich reminds me, I need to go empty my island bucket. I think that some people have been starting to try to create a hot tub in there. Ooh, hot tub island bucket. Yes. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and take it away, Bob. Nahiri and her party of red shirts, I mean adventurers, continued their harrowing climb up through the ancient ruins of a core skyclave towards the fulfillment of the Zendikar Rising trailer. Occasionally, the Lithomancer would point out a torn poster here or an empty storefront there, reminiscing about the days of old. Oh, and next to that ruined hedron... That empty cafe used to serve the best flat whites and the most amazing pour-overs. It's not empty. That's a royal box, Nahiri. <laughs> it might as well be empty, stupid chain stores, taking over everything that's good in the world. Just you wait. I'll get that lithiform core, and we'll be sipping on Marasa's finest roast before you know it. But I like their pumpkin spice lattes. Shh, don't let you hear you say that. Using the key, Nihiri guided the group closer and closer to their destination. 
Soon, a beautiful, geometrically carved stone wall was the only obstacle in their path. <laughs> oh, oh, let me blow it up, please? No need for that. Oh, look, a stone-shaped hole for the key that I'm holding in my hand. Oh, Yuri never lets me blow things up. It's the one thing I'm good at. Why am I even on this expedition? Slipping the key into its hole, the entire wall trembled and shook, parting like a stone waterfall to admit the adventurers. Inside, a grand cavern waited for the party to enter. That's it? I've seen better special effects than the most recent Star Wars film. <laughs> well, that, that was awful, though. The plot here is way better. Uh, this is cutting-edge technology in my day, all right, Akiri? Come on, you want to get that MacGuffin or not? Carefully, the adventurers and their planeswalker boss walked into the cavern, which was definitely not a Death Star, noting the raised stone dais in the middle with an enormous monolith floating above it. Floating between the monolith and the dais was a faceted sphere. Lightning brightly crackled across its surface. Kaza jumped up and down excitedly. Huh, that looks like a 20-sided dice or something to me. Huh, look, if that's all we needed, I have some spare ones that always help me with my survival checks. Silence! Nahiri sighed in relief, stepping forward and placing her hands on the lithoform core, then gently pulling it towards her. For a moment, nothing happened and there was perfect silence. Suddenly, the floor rocked beneath them, and the cavern began to crumble around the adventurers. Everyone run! As the royal rocked the floating stones of the skyclave asunder and cracked open the hedrons, Kaza and Orin fell to the, into the depths below, Aura screaming one last sentence. I still exist! Devastated by the loss, Akiri struggled to keep her employer and her lover, Zareth, alive. They used their skills to stay together and keep moving. Akiri slung her ropes and lines. Zareth quickly noted falling rocks, and Nahiri formed rough bridges out of stone. In her knapsack, Nahiri could hear the lithoform core whisper to her, but she was too preoccupied with staying alive to listen. Eventually, they paused to catch their breath. Nahiri leaned close to Zareth passing a water bottle. I know you want the lithioform core for yourself. Ah, oh, shit. The merfolk stiffened, just in time for a flaming elemental to burst out of the nearby fissure. Swiftly, Zareth lunged forward with his trident, only to be knocked aside. In a flash, Akiri held her magical shield over her lover as the elemental brought down its fists. The shield shattered, and both the core and merfolk were helpless. The elemental roared at Nahiri, who took out the lithoform core. Is this what you want, you big goon? I just want hugs! Blocking out the whispers of the lithoform core, Nahiri concentrated on the power inside the artifact, channeling it into a blast of dark energy that turned white, then ashen gray. As Nahiri opened her eyes, she saw that the elemental was gone. Everything around her was gray, and the lithoform core fell to the ground and rolled a little away. No! Nahiri turned around to see Akiri holding Zareth, but Zareth was also gray, unmoving, his face frozen in a shocked expression. 
With one outstretched hand, she could see that he had created an upturned fist with one middle finger risen in Nahiri's direction before he had turned into stone. You killed him! Nahiri reached out for the lithoform core, but Akiri was faster, grabbing it and holding it away from the planeswalker. Nahiri, what is this? It's our chance, Akiri. Our chance to get rid of the royal, the earthquakes, the hellish monsters, the royal books. It's our chance to bring Zendikar back to what it was. And what about Zareth's chance? What about Aura's chance or Kaza's chance? What about pumpkin spice latte season? No, this ends here. Akiri tried to drop the lithoform core into the forest below, but a spark from a nearby hedron jumped onto her. Crackling energy surrounded her and held her in place, and Nahiri sauntered over and plucked the lithoform core out of her almost cold dead hands. I guess you didn't listen to our preview episode then, did you? This is my one shot, Akiri, and I'm not throwing it away, but you, <laughs> have a nice trip. And with a shove, Nahiri cast Fatal Push on the last survivor of their adventuring party. Akiri found herself falling endlessly into the chasm below, thinking only of how Zareth triggered revolt. Perfect. No. Whoa, that was quite the story. Nahiri is finally showing her true colors. And they're but black, I, I but... And they're <laughs> yeah. Which is so weird because she's been like red-white so far, so it's like, oh. But if anything, I'm actually a little bit weirded out because this is not the first time we've seen a planeswalker turn someone into stone and i i'm just wondering what other planeswalkers might feel about that you know hey uh so real quick sorry this just came in apparently there's uh, some sort of broadcast coming in from ravnica oh. so i mean usually uh, I can, these yeah, are saved I, yeah. for like elder dragon invasion so it must be important what's going on yeah uh, you know um, i mm, I read I read the memo that came with it. You'll see. Yeah, I looked at the envelope. It looks like pretty hefty legal paperwork. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, and I see there's also a skull and bones attached. No, a literal skull and some bones yeah, attached. Yeah, let's okay. just play it so no one gets, uh, got, huh? Yeah, let's, uh... Hmm. Yeah, yeah, let's go play that. Roll the tape. Please stay tuned for this important announcement. Good morning, uh, afternoon, or, or evening to all of our listeners. This is an announcement from SRAM of Vraska and SRAM LLP, formally letting the public know that we are filing claims against Nihiri for intellectual property theft. It has come to our attention that another planeswalker has been treading upon my signature abilities, namely turning people into stone. Now I know that other Gorgons can turn people into stone. It's kind of a thing we do as a species, but as a planeswalker, this is my gimmick. Uh, yes, of course. I may be a simple fungal queen of the Golgari. Right, you, you are, you majesty. And captain of one of Ixalan's most successful pirate crews. Yes, you've made it to the top five least mutinied against for the third year in a row. But I like to think that I have some authority here. That is to say... Finksenrut Custodis Vespuli, or Finders Keepers, as it were. I was the first to use this ability, and I believe I should retain sole proprietorship of this. Even if the um, uh, Lithiomancer in question were to only be able to do such things with some MacGuffin, 
I believe further usage of this ability will cause unmitigated and untold brand dilution for me, which is just unacceptable. Sram, unacceptable! Uh, yes, yes, Raska. That's Green Raska Esquire to you? Right. Well, if you would like to support her royal fungalness, Queen, Captain Vraska, Esquire of the HMS Belligerent, Breaker of Chains, Saver of the Gilgari, Mother to Kroll, in this endeavor, please be sure to visit our page, www.onlygorgonshouldturnpeopletostone.com, and add your signature. Help me help you. If Nahiro or some other planeswalker comes after my signature abilities, what will happen next? Will Mawu suddenly be able to raise zombies? Can Garuk start making food tokens instead of just eating them? Will Tybalt somehow become useful? Stop this now! This has been an important announcement. Thank you. Yeah, wow, Vraska's really taken to this law career, but... You know, I think she might be a little too ruthless. Is that possible, though, when you're both a lawyer and a queen and a pirate captain? <laughs> it, it sounds like Sram and Frasca is like a, a small law firm, and, and she's like mergers and acquisitions level evil. I, I'm not saying that this reminds me of the sort of cease and desist that a certain... A company with a mouse mascot tends to issue willy-nilly, but it it feels a little that way. I I kind of feel like Vraska looks down on Srom, but then I guess I kind of everyone does, huh? Because he's a dwarf. I, well, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it is it is low the firm blow, is now called Vraska and Srom LLP. So I mean, Lavinia I, warned him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair though, the earnings that the some of the the takings they've been bringing in have been well worth it. Though I mean, I would want Vraska as my attorney for sure. In fact, I do have her on retainer, but only um, if you can what? afford her. If you cannot pay her, don't use her. That's fair. We we trade makeup hacks. It's it's pretty much the only thing I've got. <laughs> yeah, and she has a ninety five percent contingency anyway, so. You get what you pay for, though. You definitely get what you pay for. And she's such a good crawl babysitter. It's really sweet. But yeah, so it uh, seems like we finally have some confirmation as to where Nahiri stands in the hero versus villain spectrum. And it is a spectrum. She's not like Nicol Bolas over here, but she's definitely like not on the hero side of things, as far as I can tell. I like yeah. to say I told you so. But I told you so. Oh, I mean, like, as soon as I saw the trailer. Yeah. Speaking of I which. I was like, oh. I think this is the first time, like, the trailer actually follows beat for beat with something that happens in the story. Yes. Yes, that's true. Uh, we did not get a reverse trailer Liliana situation for War of the Spark, much to everyone's chagrin. And Gideon still and having the sword right before he gets disintegrated. And then, sadly, we did not get Garuk you know, <laughs> fighting. Sir Ginger, yeah. last of her batch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm still quite salty that uh, that sweet ginger cookie never saw justice. Uh, but yeah, no, this is definitely very interesting, right? Because we see Nahiri interacting with natives and Dakari and 
the way that she's so out of touch with the way Zendikar is now cannot be held in greater relief than it is at this moment, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, we threw in some hipster details like flat whites and pour overs just for fun. But there really is a sense of, of real disconnect between what she thinks that Zendikar ought to be and the people who actually live in it now. Even the people who are ostensibly of her own culture and her own um, heritage are not really into what she's doing. Yeah, I, I want to be clear, though. We're not talking about 50 years. We're not talking about 100 years. We're talking about a couple millennia of That's Nahiri true. sleeping. I think this is why that kind of makes Nahiri the jerk face, right? It's because the, the world has had time to adapt while well, Nahiri's been sleeping, you know, in her stoner sleep as she does. Um, or I, in the hell vault. I was going to say, let, let's, <laughs> let's be clear. Like, the last little bit of that was not her just, like, isolating herself. She did get trapped in the hell vault by Sora. And so I, I do want to make sure that is also... Nahiri is totally in the wrong here. And yeah. I don't want to take away from that. But I also want to emphasize sort of the effects, like the psychological effects that prolonged isolation like that can have on a person's psyche. Like... Nahiri needs help not to try and reshape Zendikar into what she remembers it from a couple millennia ago. Even side effects aside, even if you know she could pull off what she wanted to with no side effects to the plane, uh, the McKinney Empire just seemed like downright evil. It would be like wanting the British Empire back. Yeah, it, it, this is very much like if some, I don't know, Senator General, like if Julius Caesar... Which I think is actually less than 2,000 years ago. But, like, if Julius Caesar came and was like, what is up with this, Italy? You're you're just Italy now. The best thing you're known for is, like, really good charcuterie and olives. Like, we need to go take over the world. I, I, I think it would be almost that kind of weirdly bizarre in, in that way. We don't know how bad the core empire actually was. Oh, it was pretty, one of the other. side stories actually delves into that quite a bit. They were very imperialistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and like, and that's sort of the reason why I felt like Julius Caesar was yeah. a good was maybe like a good analogy because like that was imperial Rome at one of its heights. And so like I think Nahiri is also Coming when she was older, she comes from this place of privilege, right? And so, because she's so, I think that a lot of folks in this position too, when they have been used to having so much privilege and power, are now thrust into a situation where a lot of that has been lost, and it's really hard for them to adapt. They do what they can in order to restore what it is they've known before, because they are scared of, or maybe just don't don't care to understand, like what the world is as it is now. You know, equality seems like oppression of the oppressors. Well said. Yeah. And what's very interesting about the lithiform core is that when she did activate it, Zareth died, but Akiri did not. I so think there's it was something... Just, I think it was yeah. the placement, and, if you know, especially if you go by, like, what the trailer is, where Zareth was in melee range of the elemental. Well, if you if you go back and read the story, Zareth actually, I think he tries to take the opportunity of the elemental attack to snag the core from Nahiri, because he actually charges Nahiri in that moment as well. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. So I think, I, I do think it was sort of a radius thing. He failed his sneak attack you know, roll. Uh, uh, comma, <laughs> but I do think that 
I, I don't think what Michelle is saying is necessarily wrong either, mm-hmm. because if you look at if you look at how Nihiri interacts with the rest of the party or mm-hmm. doesn't interact with the rest of the party, right? Like Akiri is the only one that she really. All of the NPCs she's had a lot of like conversations and friendly banter with have been core. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, why am I forgetting her name? The mistress of the adventuring house. Kasira. Uh, uh, Kasenya. I was going to say Zendaya. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Zendaya, but I'm like, no, that's 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 different. That'd be cool. That, that's, <laughs> that would be really that's cool. Different. It'd be cool, <laughs> like, but that's different. No. Uh, but yeah, uh, all of the NPCs she has like neutral to good interactions with are core, whereas. I, I think the only line she ever directly speaks to Zareth outside of the team meeting are when they're about to fall off the cliff and she says, I know you're planning on stealing the core. So I, I think there's something to this idea that because I I don't think Akiri was necessarily out of range of the ability of the True. core. I it think Nihiri probably just directed it. Um, because mm-hmm. she invites Akiri, you know, she yeah. gets Zareth out of the way, and then she says to Akiri, like, "Join me." Hey, this is our chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way in which um she treats Nissa in general, right? Like she treats Nissa dismissive, child, your tree person. Like, what do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, oh boy, I have some thoughts next episode, but oh, yeah, uh, I'll save definitely. them for them. But that's a really good point. I hadn't considered how she treats the other team members. And, you know, I was looking at it purely as a point of, like, plot needs where they didn't really... But, I mean, yeah, it's like anytime Kaza tries to help, she's just like, nope, don't care. I'm going to do it my way. I mean, helping in this case defined by blowing something up, but... I mean... You know, it's like, why did she (laughs) bring them on the expedition? And, you know, Aura never got to do anything either. He just got (laughs) tossed in a hole. I mean... Is there any better use for your support class? I, I don't even know why an ancient core would need an expert on ancient core civilizations on the expedition anyways, but it, it was just to meet the party requirement. Apparently they were like, well, we need it. We need a cleric, you know, better grab one. Look, the problem is Nahiri's yeah. DPS, and, like, if you don't have a tank and a healer in your party, like, those Q times are ridiculous. Yeah, that that is, that's true. Nahiri would be really good AE DPS, and... Akiri is like yeah. the best support character you could get. She just buffs everybody and then pulls people out of the AEs they're not noticing. Just getting back to, I think, Nahiri's preferences. I mean, is this basically like racism, <laughs> essentially? Like, I'm a little bit hesitant to sort of like put this very real world application into the setting. But I think that there's a lot of like... Well, first of all, she's an old walker, so mm-hmm. it's yeah. hard for her to even look at other people as people. But on top of that, they're not core. Mm-hmm. And so she's even more dismissive and even more callous towards their fate and also, you know, doesn't really see them as people. Like, I, in my book, that's sort of like definitely not okay behavior. You know, the information that we found out about the McKinney Empire lately really showed, I mean, the ancient core did look down on the other civilizations on Zendikar. And as we, you know, we've talked on, they literally looked down on them. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it really isn't too surprising. And she probably doesn't even consider it. Like you said, you know, also add Old Walker on top of that. You know, she actually even 
you know, apologizes to Akiri before, you know, pulling her attempted murder bit. And she's just like, you know, sorry, I, I can't let you try and stop me. Where I think if that had been Zareth, well, obviously she just blasted Zareth into ash without a thought thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, but if that had been, like, Kaza, you know, she just would have punted her off the edge without even bothering to say goodbye. Well, sweet, sweet exploding baby Kaza. Yeah. I hope um, we get Kaza's story whenever we come back to Zendikar again. Yes, would love to see all the explosions. And more goblins. I would love to see more goblins. But the thing that really is very interesting about Nahiri's profile as a villain is that she falls into that classic I still believe I am doing right but I'm very close-minded like we we haven't seen a lot of white aligned villains lately like besides Nahiri um I don't know maybe Soren Soren's not really a not really a villain he's more like an anti-hero Dovin Bond yeah Dovin Bond would be the other Mm -hmm. I I would also argue um what's his face from Akoria Who's the who's the jerk face who controls the General Kudro? No, not General. General well, General Kudro too. But who's but the, the planeswalker? Luca was red. Though, oh, Luca. Luca's mono red. I would like yes, his card is mono red. I would argue that his character is red white. Yeah, I think we we can't we did agree to that at the end of the story is because he just wants everything to be how it was. A sentimental attachment that Nahiri definitely shares. Yeah, I I I think Nahiri's through line as far as like compelling storytelling i think the through line there is she is so adamant that she hates the interference of people from off of zendikar and she hates you know what uh, sora nanugan did but she unironically perpetuates that cycle and knowingly does when people confront her about mm-hmm. it she basically says yeah but i'm doing it so it's the right decision um yeah. Yeah, And outside of Nicobolus and Liliana Vess, we haven't really seen people who are villains or in a villainous position who have such outright confidence that they are... Urza. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I, I would say I, Bolus to an extent, too. Or, or, well, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think Urza it's an old like walker s- thing in general. Even... Sorry. Different kettle of fish. Um, no, it's okay. I, I just, I, I didn't really like count Urza in there because Urza has sort of this uh, weirdly detached, like he, tr- he treated people like science experiments, right? Like the line to fairy says in Dominaria is Urza didn't have friends. He had experiments. Yeah. And so it's Ur- also the same sort of thing though, where all of his, everything he did was in service of beating Phyrexia. So he had a very single-minded goal, and anything he thought would achieve that goal was right. Right. And Dovin Bond falls into that as well, right? He has a very specific idea of how things should be. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the white, I think, aspect of it. Blue definitely exacerbates that tendency. But mm-hmm. I think that he, that is something that he shares with Nahiri in a sense that this is the order of things. This is how things should be. I will make them so. Although his is very calculated and hers is not. <laughs> hers is very almost impulsive, really. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't even know what the Lithoform Court does. Yeah. She doesn't take the time. That's what's very interesting too. Like I, admittedly, you know, they're all running away, trying not to die. But she notices that this 
this stone is speaking to her. Yeah, and it keeps trying to as, talk to her, and she's just like, I I'll deal with this later after I'm done using it. Yeah, and she doesn't really take the time to understand what it's trying to tell her. And again, because she's sort of, it's a it's a very tragic thing in many ways because she she wants what's best, but she's not willing to look outside of her own head. And I think this is something that we see a lot in many, many villains, just sort of like the inability to form any sense of empathy outside of where you are right now as, a, as an individual. Yeah, I definitely have a lot more to say about that after the next story. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think the, I think the thing that strikes me about Nahiri and specifically, specifically the way that this interplays with her relationship with uh, Ugin and Sorin, because I, I really do think that, like, because they were sort of portrayed as these old Walker heroes, right? Like, they were sealing away the Eldrazi, they were watching after the multiverse, but it turns out, ultimately, it was just in service to, you know, like, Sorin's sole interest was protecting Innistrad. It had very little to do with the multiverse at large. Ugin wanted a place where he could contain the Eldrazi to further observe and study what their effects were. Uh, and Nahiri obviously had a vested interest in, okay, even if Zen we're sealing them in Zendikar, like, I, we have to set up the system where I can call you guys to put them back in if something happens. And I feel like there is a I feel like between the three of them, you have sort of this idea of people who are accidentally doing heroic things rather than people who are intentionally trying to better people's lives in general. So, Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's almost like a side effect as opposed to an actual, the actual modus operandi. Right. It's like, yeah, like, like if I went to the store and I'm just like, all I want is like... A toothbrush, and then in the in the midst of it, I'm like rummaging for that one toothbrush, and I knock aside like a bunch of soap, and it turns out like all that soap was something that somebody else wanted. Yeah, like I wasn't I wasn't looking to like visibly show a bunch of soap. I just wanted this toothbrush. Right, and so I think that um, contrasts really, really well. It, it really places her firmly as a foil to Nissa because if you look at the end of the Oath of the Gatewatch story, while Nissa is planting the seeds that she had gotten and thinking about how they'll grow. I mean, obviously she thinks about her role in it somewhat because she views herself as part of Zendikar, but she thinks really strongly about the communities that will be growing there and how mm -hmm. these actions she's doing will be in service to them. Whereas Nahiri is thinking about how the reforming of Zendikar as she remembers it will be in mm -hmm. service to her um, and what yeah. she wants out of it. And I think that's a very key difference between green and white, right? Like, we've also seen this kind of behavior from Issa on um, Kaladesh uh, with her relationship and friendship with Yeheni. Mm -hmm. Like, Nissa's kind of freaked out because she's like, I don't know what you are, but you are clearly connected to the mana and the cycle of mana on this plane. And she opens herself up to understand and to befriend and to even love like this this very ephemeral being despite how like strange aetherborn are to her and it's sort of the the cool thing that 
green can do. Um, unfortunately, nowadays in construction, it seems like green can do everything. But in this particular circumstance, green loves to let things be as they are. Uh, Yosh, if you get a lot of noise right now, it is howling at my house. Oh, gosh. Okay. Speaking of green, <laughs> nature. Yeah. So, Bob, you mentioned before that you want to talk about civilization a bit. Uh, we've gotten even more info on like what the ancient core civilization was like. What are your thoughts on that? The reason that I think this is really important to talk about is because it feels like Zendikar has jumped ahead like a millennia of years over a very short amount of time, right? So we're talking about the fall of Seagate, the times of Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch. And now we're just like, we're so far ahead. And the core civilization being very... Um, as we talked about, imperialistic. It doesn't feel like they're gaining back from where they were, even prior to the royal. It seems like they've jumped very far ahead in a very short amount of time. It just, it, it just, it feels a little weird to me, as as a whole. Like it's great for storytelling, it's great for adventuring, but like, it's a little disillusioning to think of how far Seagate has come up to this point. I mean, they they do have magic. <laughs> I, I say it, it is also a fantasy realm, and who am mm. I to bring logic to the fantasy s fantasy world? But well, I don't know. If you think about how quickly modern cities get reconstructed after things like hurricanes or other natural disasters, like if you think of the Eldrazi uh, unto a natural disaster, right? Especially once they are defeated and like no longer constantly swarming the city. I don't think it's all that weird for Seagate to have been reconstructed because the 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 time the Eldrazi Titans were again super active on Zendikar was actually quite short like when you're thinking about the geological time scale of Zendikar because Jace and Chandra and Nyssa were the ones who accidentally let them out right or I guess Nyssa did it on purpose but there was some shenanigans there so I I don't have the calculation in front of me, but if you're thinking about that as like a time span of just like, I don't know, let's say five to 10 years for the sake of argument, I it can't, I don't even think it could be that long. Like, I think it's five years tops. But if you think about that hyper violent and uh, aggressive period you're dealing with these things, people still had a culture that was developing after the fall of the core empire from the end of the core empire until that present point. And so you're talking about people who still have history and oral traditions and probably written traditions in a lot of cases. So I don't I don't find the reconstruction of Seagate and the reestablishment of things like adventurers guilds and adventuring houses. I don't find that particularly weird to me. Like it it doesn't it doesn't feel unnatural in that sense. The reason it feels kind of unnatural is that you went from complete desolation Right. To the point where you had pockets of life to like now you have a full thriving society all over again with adventurers and craziness. Well, the thing is that um, Seagate was actually quite a large establishment. Like it was a city. I, I must be back. I'm not surprised that Seagate was rebuilt. Yes. Right. Like it's not the fact that they've rebuilt their city. It's the advancement of civilization that I feel has happened. Well, I, I don't know, because Seagate is the place that uh, everyone ended up fleeing to. Like, it was last bastion of hope 
for a lot of people who then fled to Seagate. And I imagine outside of that, there were still people surviving in pockets and you had things like the goblins surviving outside and a lot of the elves didn't necessarily leave the forest. There's no doubt that the devastation of the Eldrazi was extreme and that sort of thing. But I think if you're having everyone come back to one particular epicenter, you're, you're having all of those people pooling their cultural knowledge in that one place. Yeah, I also think that, like, Bob mentioned the adventuring stuff and like that. That was Zendikar before the Eldrazi, so that isn't, like, new civilization development. That was returning to some sort of normalcy. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like they went too quickly from the survival mode to the thriving mode. Okay. Right? Like, like there's, so there are things that happen when the world is like run amok, right? Mm -hmm. You hit the devastation, then you hit survival, and then you hit thriving. And I can't realistic believe that this world would be thriving as it is. I think there would still be this level of survival. I guess I hadn't necessarily thought of it as thriving. I, I thought the perpetuation of these adventure guilds and that sort of thing, I had viewed that as part of the survival mode. I, and it may be just that we're thinking about the words, things like thriving survival mode we we might be thinking of them as like different thresholds for what we consider so there's that but i i still think the the impression i got from seagate was yeah this is a city that's been rebuilt it's bustling that sort of thing but there are still some pretty obvious scars from the way people interact with each other and we get a very brief snippet overall right I, I, I understand what you're saying more now for sure and i would have liked to have seen more about the day-to-day -day struggles of survival and that sort of thing. But I think as far as, like, when you have a really limited amount of space to tell your story, like, the struggles of farming food is not necessarily at the top of most people's things. They might find compelling about an adventuring world, especially since it was, was sort of, like, pitched as Zendikar's return to its adventuring world roots. I, I guess it's something that isn't, like, it isn't a peg so far up for me that I can't, like, suspend my disbelief on it. Um, something to consider as well is that the rapid reconstruction of Seagate, since it was the last stand, uh, could be seen as a response to this trauma, right? For example, when 9-11 happened, it did take a while for the Freedom Tower to finally get done. I think that was mostly because of internal politics, but assuming that that sort of stuff didn't happen and whatnot, like I can completely see as a emotional response as a way for the citizens of Zendikar to sort of reclaim what they've lost. Making the reconstruction of Seagate a priority could be possibly a, a way to heal, at least physically, and also maybe as a collective society, emotionally as well, the war trauma that they all endured. Um, I'm thinking of like, you know, after major world wars, like the various building of monuments and things like that. Like this is something that's symbolic. And perhaps, you know, we only ever really see as far as like where people are concentrated are like Seagate. We don't really see other places um, as much in terms of what they've been up to. So I'm sure that there are some of those ravages and people still dealing with that trauma elsewhere in the world, but perhaps Seagate, because this is just a hypothetical and I'm just speculating here, because it was that one place where they made their last stand, it would make sense for everyone to pull, kind of pull the resources into this place to make it what it was or even better. So just a thought. 
that could help explain why things don't look quite as uh, sad as we expected them to be after, you know, a near world apocalypse. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it's also just like, you know, after World War One, for example, like everyone with the roaring 20s was like, yeah, death sucks. Let's just let's pretend that didn't happen. And we're just going to go and drink and be flappers. So it could be kind of an equivalent. Yeah, so. I would I would definitely be interested on what is happening at where, where the previous other major population centers were, especially because if you think about the different ways in which people have civilization. You know, we tend to have a very specific view on what that means, right? Cities, thriving cities, et cetera, et cetera. But the elves were still out there pretty much existing in the forest. You know, I, the Eldrazi were still definitely a problem and a threat, but they have a very different, like, very different societal structure. And so I would be interested to see what those either former population centers or a lot of those folks who aren't aren't attached to that same sort of societal model, like what they are up to currently. Because I think that's also a interesting story line and just like part of the human condition. And it seems like it could be a really fun D&D campaign setting. Oh, definitely. Well, it seems like we've pretty much discussed everything we want to discuss for this particular week. We certainly will have more to talk about as uh, the conflict between Nyssa and Nihiri and random Jace, uh, <laughs> as that as this whole story continues to unfold, we've got two more um, before the end of Zendikar Rising Story. So we will see you back next time to um, let's see how the things progress. Maybe Nikiri will have a change of heart. I don't think so, but we'll see. Is Jace actually the villain? Oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> you know who's I... not the villain though? Card Kingdom. And our patrons, we love you. Thank you for all your support. Although, if one of our patrons wants to be a villain, like, I believe in you. You go out there and you be <laughs> the best villain you can be. But someone's going to have to stop you and it'll probably be me, so I'm sorry. Grace, well, uh, dropping down uh, the customer service rules. You're not always right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, with that, I've been one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Bob. I'm Taya. I'm Grace. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Oh, God. Did Bob turn into Beebles again? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Quick, grab them all before they get away.